Thank y'all so much, team. I appreciate all that you do. And most of you know pretty much everybody on the stage. I think they've all been up here for a couple of years, but you might not know Allie. Allie Fuquay joined us a couple weeks ago. We give thanks to Allie. She's been around a couple of weeks, but I, I think this might be either my first or only second time being in here when Allie's on the stage because Michael and I have been doing a lot more swapping. If you've been coming a lot lately, but we haven't seen each other, it's because um, Michael Precht, our senior pastor now, we now go back and forth a lot more. Um, during our, our um, discipleship series, we just finished up. We were split it evenly, three in each place. And I'll be here, I think, for these last six weeks. And then in the new year, we're going to do closer to 50-50 and be in both places um, because we both want to be in both places. I love that Michael wants to be in here, and I love getting to be in the festival and the chapel service also. And um, I don't know why there's a hymnal up here. Is this like a subtle clue from somebody? <laughs> Is some, somebody trying to send a message, do more hymns? <laughs> Brittany's included a lot of hymns lately, I'll say that. Last, the last couple of weeks, she's been doing some contemporary versions of, of some of our hymns, so thank you, Brittany. And on that same note of preachers and who's where, when, I'm grateful that our brother, Bruce Fitzgerald, will bring our message next week. Looking forward to hearing it, my friend. I will be, um, I will be out of town next week. A few months ago, my in-laws called us and said, we booked us a place at the Great Wolf Lodge in LaGrange. And I said, and I said, wait, 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 is this like a question? No, it was not. So this is apparently an indoor water park in LaGrange, which I'm not like the biggest germaphobe, but water parks to me are just like cesspools for disease. So I'm gonna need your prayers. We're gonna have it three days. I tell you, I just, I don't know. All right, we're getting off the rails. I'm doing all this housekeeping. I got one more housekeeping item actually. I want us, uh, because you know, we all come in at different times. I want us to send the, the pads back down the aisle, all right? In case you didn't get to fill it out or so you can read the people whose names are on your row because you might not know them. And this gives you a chance to get to know somebody new. And here's why this is a housekeeping item. Tomorrow night at Charge Conference, we will begin the two-year process for hundreds of people who have not signed in to worship in over a year. And that's how we keep our roles where they need to be and so that we know who all is actually part of our church. And there are some people, I was going through the list that we generated, I'm like, they're in worship. I see them all the time. They just didn't sign in. And so if, you want to, if you're a member of this church and want to remain a member of this church, you have to sign in or else in two years' time, you, you won't be a member anymore and you have to rejoin and we'll go through the process. So, so please do me a favor. It's not that hard. Just fill it out. I mean, because I want to be able to pray for you specifically. And if I don't see your name, I might not recognize you're here because there's these bright lights. And I can't see who all's here. So that's just a huge help for us if you'll do that. And you get to know the people on your aisle. I think all that's about all the things pre-sermon. You know, we just finished up our discipleship series. It was a lot of fun, six weeks. Our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. If you did not turn in a card, we'll mail one to your house just so that you can have some more time to think about and pray about it. But I had a lot of fun just remembering what it means to commit to this church and to our Christian walk as disciples. Michael and I have had a lot of fun writing sermons together. Um, and you can tell I was the lead writer for this one because the, um, by lead writer, I mean like one of us comes up with a draft and then we work on it together and we add things and take away things. Um, and the ones that are funnier are the ones that I'm the lead writer on. And the ones that, <laughs> the ones that are probably more theologically sound are the ones that he's the lead writer on. <laughs> 
But um, this one, uh, our title for this morning's sermon is a standalone. We're not doing a series until Advent starts, but it's a, a reference to a 90s pop song. So I would like to preach from the subject this morning, closing time. All right. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I said 90s pop song. It's more like early 2000s alternative rock. Let's be honest. Come on. But, you know, I've never told you this, I don't think, but my favorite movie is When Harry Met Sally. Have you ever seen that movie? It came out before I was born, just to make you feel old in case it was. Um, But I do love it. I do love it. And here's the reason why I love it. It wasn't always my favorite movie. But it was the first movie I ever watched on a date with my wife, all right? She came over one night, we were hanging out, and for some reason, I was living at um, the Miller's house in, the Montgo- in Montgomery, they, or family in Montgomery, they kind of adopted me during college. And I lived at their house and they had a DVD collection and they had that movie. And I was like, I've never seen this movie. Have you ever seen this movie? She goes, no. I said, all right, well, let's watch it together. And it was such a cute movie. If you've never seen it, it's great. Um, and it became just nostalgic because it reminds me and Brianna of our first date together, our first time together. And so we watch it like every year. And sometimes we watch it multiple times in a year because I love it and I get all sappy and nostalgic. Like, Let's watch it here. I met Sally. She's like, really? Again? But my favorite part of it, or one of my favorite things about it, is, is Harry, played by Billy Crystal. He, he's a little neurotic, if you haven't seen it. And he thinks he's really dark. And he thinks he's, you know, in the beginning, he's talking about how, like, she's all joy and sunshine. Sally's all joy and sunshine and happiness. He goes, I am so dark. Listen to how dark I am. He says that whenever he first gets a book, whenever he opens it up, the first thing he does is read the last page so that he knows the ending in case he dies before he's able to finish it. <laughs> and you would think this is like naivete of a young person because they're in college, but he continues this throughout the movie. There's actually a little, like, passing scene later in the movie where he's just laying in bed and you see him open a new book, read the last page, and then start the book. Harry's obsessed with the endings, getting it to know exactly how things are going to happen in case something happens before he gets there. Have you ever um, found yourself being obsessed with endings? Because I think that kind of behavior, that obsession with endings is something that might be true of all of us. My grandfather used to say, eat your dessert first because life's too short. Right? This idea that we, we want to jump to the ending and know how things are going to end and experience the last things because maybe we're worried or maybe we can't wait. Maybe we're so excited. His infatuation, Harry's, is something we can all relate to. When we reflect on a relationship, a previous relationship, maybe it's of a, of a significant other, a boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or maybe it's of a family member. We think not about the beginning oftentimes, unless we're still in that relationship, but one that has gone by the wayside, we we often think about how it ended. Not really about how it went, but how it ended. I mean, we talk all the time about our favorite shows, but one of the things we can all agree on is as much as we like a show, no show ever ends well. And so we obsess about how bad the ending was, right? Have you ever seen the show Lost? I mean, that is a perfect example. The ending is terrible, right? There's, there's a lot of things in life, actually, that we kind of gravitate towards thinking about the ending. And I believe it's because we think that endings supply some kind of meaning to the entire experience that came before it, right? In our lives, if something ends good, 
Um, sometimes we reflect upon the entire experience as good. Or if something ends bad, sometimes we reflect upon the entire experience as bad. The ending can color everything that happened before it. We think of things more fondly if they end well. And maybe the reason why we think about things in our own lives this way, while we gravitate towards the ending, is because we have some sort of internal fear about our own endings, right? I mean, endings come up a lot in life. At the end of a game, it was either heartbreaking or wonderful, and the whole game is remembered based on how it ended, like the NFC Championship game last year, right? Does anybody remember what happened before that missed pass interference call on the Saints? I mean, let's be honest. The whole game was colored by that. I see the Saints fans nodding. If you don't watch the Saints, you don't know what I'm talking about. But the Saints fans, it still hurts, right? You, I see it on your insides. Bailey's like, not, he's crying right now. But we, we think of when friends move away or a job is over. It's like the end of an era. And I bring all this up because we are at the end of our liturgical calendar. We are in the lectionary text this morning. Lectionary is the scripture that is prescribed to us by this three-year cycle. And when we're not doing series, often we revert back to lectionary. And we are actually at the end of the year. You might think, well, the end of the year is December 31st. Actually, the end of the year for us is next week, Christ the King Sunday. Advent 1 is the beginning of the new Christian year. So here we are at the end and we have scriptures that speak of this very same subject. I would like to read for us our gospel lesson this morning. It comes to us from the book of Luke. It comes to us from Luke 21, verses 5 through 19. Hear now the word of the Lord. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived for many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. As the disciples are gathered around, they're there in the temple. And they're looking at how beautiful it is. The temple is this place in ancient Israel. This is the second time it's been built where all religious life happens. It's like the church, but there's only one church. It's not like today when there's a church on every corner. There's only one temple. 
And so it all takes place there and everybody comes to the temple to make sacrifice. Everybody comes to the temple to worship. And often fellowship and gatherings happen outside the temple. And so the temple is like this amazing thing that is the, the central part of a Jewish person's life. And so they're all gathered there and the disciples, they're looking at how beautiful it is and how it's decorated with all these adornments. And Jesus hears them saying this and he says, as for all of these things you see, as for these beautiful decorations, there will come a day when there's not one stone left upon another. All of them will be thrown down. And did you know that just 40 years after Jesus said that, after Jesus was with his disciples, the temple actually was destroyed. The temple was destroyed by the Romans and all that's left now is what we call the Wailing Wall. And they asked him, they said to him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that these things are going to take place? See, they think Jesus is talking about the end of time, the end of, the end of days, and they want to know about this ending, right? They too have a preoccupation with wondering how things will end. Jesus, if you know about this ending, tell us more. Tell us about what's going to happen. And he gets all Jesus-y. And he doesn't answer him directly. He gives them just a piece of what they want, but gives them so much more. He says, beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say that I am he. The time is near, they'll say, but do not go after them. He says, don't follow the false prophets. Don't follow the people that claim to come in my name, but they do not represent what I represent. They do not preach the gospel. They do not live a life of love. They're not generating grace. And he went on to say to them a little bit about how things will look. He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there'll be earthquakes. There'll be plagues and famine. There'll be all these things. There'll be dreadful. And there'll be these signs from heaven. But get this. Did you catch this part? He said, but before these things take place, but before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. They will give you an opportunity to testify. But make up your mind not to prepare your defense in advance. He says all these things are going to happen that are a little scary. He says, but make up your mind to not prepare your defense in advance. Do you notice Jesus, they, they want to know all about the ending from Jesus, the disciples. They want to know when these things are going to happen and what it's going to be like. And Jesus gives them some few details, but he doesn't stop there. But before this occurs, it reminds me of that song, Closing Time. Did you know the song? You know, the hook, the chorus is really catchy. It gets stuck in your head, right? Closing time. Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings and don't laugh at me. I see you laughing. You get that song stuck in your head, it's going to be there for days. I'm, somebody's going to post me on Facebook tonight. I can't stop singing closing time. But the ending of that song, the hook, every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end is a perfect summary of what I think Jesus is trying to offer us, trying to offer the disciples in this word of what we could call encouragement, but it's also maybe best and honestly described as a little terrifying. Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end. 
You see, we spend so much time worried about obsessing over endings that we cannot predict. Oftentimes it's because we're scared. How is this job going to end? How is this relationship going to end? How is this season of life going to end? And, and we preoccupy ourselves by thinking about things that are far off in the future potentially. I think the disciples, they felt the same thing. And it's like a gong went off in their head when Jesus started speaking about endings. They said, what do you mean? Give us the details. Don't leave us hanging, Jesus. Tell us more. And Jesus didn't just dismiss them out of hand. He didn't say endings aren't real, that these endings, they don't matter. But he said there's more than just how things will end. You see, the disciples, they were concerned with when and how these things would happen. But I think Jesus is trying to shift our attention, trying to shift the direction of our attention. They want to know when these things will happen, and Jesus wants us to know who is going to make these things happen and what God is going to do. He gives us very few details about what is to come. He tells us a little bit about what it's like. But he doesn't do this to strike fear about all these terrible things, but rather to say, in spite of all that's going to happen, it could be the worst thing you could possibly imagine. The end of days could be so far-fetched, so just something out of a sci-fi novel, that even then it wouldn't matter. There's nothing you can do to prepare for it. Do not think about your defense beforehand, but know this, that if you are in the Spirit, if you are a disciple if you understand that grace and love is part of what God offers us, if you experience the love of Jesus, he says, then not one hair on your head will perish. Make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. I know that what Jesus is painting here might not sound like the most rosy of pictures with nation against nation and earthquakes and all these things. But what I want us to see here from this text is that Jesus helps us realize that no matter what is before us, no matter what the ending might be, that God's grace is bigger, that God's provision is sufficient. And we, there's no way we could dream up exactly what it's going to look like, the next thing in life, the ending that's ahead of us. But no matter what it is, when we are walking in this path, I believe what Jesus says. God will give us what we need. God will give us the provision that we are so desperate. And so as we wrap up this liturgical year, and you might not have known that this was the end of the liturgical year. It might just be another Sunday, which is totally fine. But today I hope you think, as we come to the end of this year, and you reflect upon all that has gone on in your life, what ending is happening that is causing a new beginning? What ending were you so fearful of that you've already experienced and now you're seeing new life and new grace and new experiences and new opportunities? And how can we expect that again? Let the end of this year, whether it's this week or the next six weeks as we get ready to the new calendar year, be a time of reflection where we look back and we ask, where has God's provision already been? And so why are we fearing what's to come next? 
I don't know what ending you have coming up. I don't know if you're, this time of your life is ending where your kids are about to go to college. I don't know if you are entering the time where, where kindergarten is coming to an end and they're going into grade school. I, I don't know if maybe you're about to retire. I don't know if the ending of your childhood is here and so you're going to college. I don't, I don't know what ending you're about to experience, but endings come a lot. But every ending is an opportunity for a new beginning. And I believe that no matter what is before us, God's provision, if God is going to offer provision for the scariest thing possible, for the end of the earth, the end of the time that Jesus is describing and says, no matter what's to come, no matter how big it is, no matter how crazy it is, God will provide, God will protect, God's provision will hold us to where not a head on our head will be perished. Then what more is God expecting to do in our lives now? And whatever's going to come tomorrow. And so I don't know what that means for you. I don't know exactly what that looks like in your life. And I know that it can still be scary to look towards the future. But I believe in God. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord. Who was crucified, dead and buried. And the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And if God can raise up, if God can bring back from the dead, there's nothing God can't do. And so may Christ be enough for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.